Hello Stone Apes and others who are curious about the healing powers of psychedelic medicines. Welcome to the Stone Ape Reports. I'm your host, Stuart Preston. Each episode, I talk to another Stone Ape, somebody who has experienced the transformational powers of psychedelics, or the practitioner who works with these medicines. In this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Michelle, who had recreational experiences with psychedelics earlier in life, and then later rediscovered the healing powers of entheogens, LSD, psilocybin, ketamine, and ayahuasca. Her story is one of healing from addiction to opioids, trauma, PTSD, as well as finding spirituality and reconnecting with her estranged mother. Please enjoy this episode with Michelle. Why don't we get this started off by giving us a little bit of a of background about the, the things, the struggles, challenges, opportunities, whatever was going on in your life uh, before you rediscovered psychedelics and, and the, the benefits of them. What, what were the things that you were looking to get help with? Okay. Well, what brought me my, my first um, use of psychedelics in general was as a teenager and it was purely recreational. However, mm-hmm. even as a uh, child or a teenager, I had some negative home life. And I found that through, um, at the time, acid and microdot, it was much more powerful back in the late, in the mid eighties. Uh, mm. I, it, it took me out of the pain. And from a very young age, I was looking to avoid um, what I found to, I have a t- tendency to read between the lines, when I feel someone is lying, I, I just have, a, a, I've always had a sixth sense that filled me with anxiety. I was always filled with anxiety and looking mm. for some way to temper it. So to fast forward to like say age 17, I went to a uh, psychiatrist to deal with like, what's, why do I have a nervous stomach? Why, what is all this? And the first thing they did was give me benzos. They gave me Xanax at 17 mm. years old. So that was the beginning of my journey into the big pharma addiction thing. And this was before the pill mills. This was um, mid 80s. So right. I had a lot of experience with substances and the substances that I was using at the time were, as I said, to once again, try to remove myself from toxic energy, toxic energy. Um, right. Yet I would always have to return back as I was still a teenager living at home. Unfortunately, fast, just to fast forward, um, I ended up using opioids and became Mm. opioid tolerant and basically a drug addict. And that was, as as I was living that life, I was also uh, going through many, uh, let's say PTSD traumatic events that I simply suppressed just to keep on surviving and surviving and surviving. And, in a, so then we're going to fast forward all the way to say 2010, where I was okay. living in Manhattan and very happy. Um, I have always been, a, I, I consider myself a survivor. 
I consider myself okay. somebody who has navigated life without family, really, you know, uh, being estranged. And, and um, so in 2010, when uh, my landlord died, suddenly the rent was raised like 2000 more dollars. I spent a year in court and I basically lost everything. Like I went mm. from being in control of my life to losing my apartment to um, not having, realizing there was really no fix anymore because Manhattan was changing and my, there was nobody, my quote friends were really not stepping up. And as I was trying to figure out how to fix, because my, uh, in my life, I'd always been able to manage things. However, I got to a point where I found myself in such a dark place um, that my boyfriend at the time um, was using shrooms, psilocybin all the time. Now, even though I had had, uh, as a teenager, psychedelic experience and loved, loved them because it was laughter, it was my escape. But now it was more of I needed something to like almost as a primal scream, like like my I was I felt like I was disappearing into all of the minutia of all of so many problems that so many of us are facing today. So I took um, an eighth of psilocybin and felt warmth and felt peace and at the same time would go through almost a, as I said, primal scream therapy, come through it. And it would be frightening, I'm sure, if somebody just walked in and saw me, you know, hysterical thinking, you know, but somebody, my, somebody was sitting with me and watching with me. And after every single time, because every weekend I would go up to, where I was going and I would take psilocybin knowing it was, I, it became almost a type of therapy for me to get through right. this, this awful time of homelessness. Where am I living? Like how, how did this happen to me? <laughs> this doesn't happen to me, but it was happening. And so as this was going on and I was rediscovering um, uh, psychedelics, in a way that I had never thought would be possible because I had become so angry by that point, so jaded with life in general, that the rage was toxic. And this medicine was literally, I could feel my, I could feel it lifting. I could feel it getting easier to deal with the issues. So I really hadn't quite put it on psilocybin yet but i knew that that was where i was finding the the quote medicine that i could not find anywhere else so 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 let me um, ask you a question yeah your boyfriend your boyfriend had you know mushrooms you had done psychedelics at a a younger age but you say you're kind of an, an angry um you were dealing with substances a lot of anger what was it in your mind that got you to think to yourself, 
maybe this is the solution. Maybe I should try these mushrooms. The fact that on top of uh, when I lost my apartment, uh, about three years later, I was diagnosed with um, something called spinal cervical stenosis, which now is a pain disease and a degenerative, uh, degenerative. And at the age, I'm, I'm just, I was literally just bowled over. And now I am mm. dealing with doctors. I am dealing right. with medications that as a drug addict, I had kicked, <laughs> you know, right. I had, I, I freak, I had kicked them and I became a drug counselor. I became a therapist helping, but was not allowed to do harm reduction. And I was finding it was just a vicious cycle. It was this crazy cycle of just nobody was really finding the peace or the help. So I realized that big pharma was definitely just hurting me and making me crazy. My insurance would not cut. So I was in pain. So the pain due to the cervical and spinal stenosis, as well as the emotional pain, finding no relief as they would give me oxycodone, they would give me shots, they would give me whatever, they wanted surgeries. But at the end of the day, most of these things would either fall through or it wasn't covered. It was always some bureaucratic nonsense. And I turned back to the one thing I, I knew was working shrooms yeah. and when when mm -hmm. i had been using heroin as as an addict you know like a legitimate addict for about 10 years of my life wow. what what really uh, this 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 what truly made me stop run when i say running when you get that detail when you're starting to go into withdrawal you're starting to say i can't do this i can't do this I began smoking pot again. And the pot, mm. because I hadn't smoked pot in so many years, I was like, oh, I'm calm. Wait, let me just get, I can get through this. And I wanted to share this information with the, the people I was working with, my clients, you know, harm reduction. If you're smoking crack, but pot is keeping you from running out the door, smoke some crack. I mean, excuse me, smoke yeah, some pot, pot. Right. smoke some pot. Yeah. And I found it like absurd that I had, that I simply was not allowed to, to say what I knew worked because right. yeah, I mean, here they are hiring me. They know that I have all of this experience yet. They don't want me to share what I know works. So it became very, I was very dismayed by that, by even the drug treatment, um, uh, how they would close their eyes and simply stick to what, if you're an opioid tolerant or an addict, you have two, you basically have two choices in America. Methadone, which is liquid handcuffs, no matter whether, I mean, you could not be using, but it's still, you must be at a clinic at least once a week. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, it, it does not allow you to truly get on with your life. It's, it's, it's a lie. It's a lie. But right. yes, it may save your life for a minute, <laughs> but it will also take your life from you in the sense of living. Yeah. So I was in pain management 
but that meant that I had to deal with this nonsense methadone clinic and getting thrown, you know, narcotic medications that I had, as I said, kicked and it was becoming too much. And I just said, because when something becomes so uh, suffer, suffering fools, this was suffering stupidity to the point where Mm. I was, I knew that I was, my mental health was in trouble. Like the depression was getting to be too much. The pain was too much. There had to be another way. So it was the mushrooms and the psilocybin that gave me hope that at least started to point the way to another path. And nice. so tell, tell us about that. that. Tell us about the experiences and how it showed you that new path and kind of what the experience and the outcomes were. Well, okay. The, the first, the, the very first thing was the general feeling of warmth. Um, for me, mm. it was always uh, the, that first feeling because of, as I said, the pain, physical pain, you know, I would close yeah. my eyes and, you know, feel those, snake-like figures warming like around my body and it was it was beautiful and Mm. I also began to feel love which I found astonishing since I thought I was you know filled with rage but when I was going through these what I would almost call therapeutic doses uh I I was able to make connections and feel love again, which I didn't know I would ever be able to feel again. Um, So that was huge for me. That was, that was like, okay. Yeah, that is huge. That it's true. Yes. I mean, I was a very angry, independent young woman, you know, for my whole life since honestly, from the age of 12 and on, basically, I have been, I, I've been doing this on my own. So, um, yes, so to feel love. Um, and because I had been a therapist and because I'm interested in sociology, neuroscience, just, 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 just the zeitgeist, just our society, what makes people tick, you know, as we all know, our formative years are the most important. and Right. Without going into too much details, mine were, they were not filled with love. They were not filled mm. with that uh, validation that one is worthy. You know, it, yeah, it was, yeah. it was that. So I ha- so I always was running from love. If somebody said they loved me, I got scared and I would sabotage it and so, so here I am, I'm 40 something and now I'm rediscovering psychedelics and realizing this may be like the way this is the only thing that has made me feel love. I mean, maybe, right. yeah. So this is a big deal. And from that point, that's when I started hearing about ayahuasca and I just couldn't get enough of the information. Unfortunately, yeah. I found that most of them were retreat, excuse me, retreats 
in uh, Peru or whatever that I simply right. didn't have the resources to get to. I was lucky yeah. enough, however, that there I, I was able to attend a, a, a weekend ceremony and um, it truly is medicine. That's all I can, you know, people, yeah. you know, they're, you know, I, I don't even like using the word drugs. It, it, it right. you know, it's, it's such a shame. It's almost, I, 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 I equate it to when people take quote the word back, you know, like you can't call me yeah. this anymore. Right. So I almost feel like we need to stop using the word drugs because it's like associated with what I call the second wave, the 60s movement, because we had the indigenous peoples using these medicines for thousands of years. And then in the 60s, basically, I think they blew it. <laughs> That's the only yeah, way they I blew can it. say it. They blew it. And, and they gave yeah. it such an, uh, they gave the government so many, so much ammunition to say, look, see, see, and, you know, the false narratives, you know, became, and suddenly LSD therapy, boom, was gone. And, yeah. and if and I actually saw a documentary with um, uh, one of the, one of the wonderful actors from the, from the thirties, uh, Cary Grant, who, and mm-hmm. his whole thing was about uh, his LSD therapy and, and how, his last treatment was when he felt love and he was like, I don't need to do this anymore. I, I, I am healed. I am, I, I know who I, it was just, you know, so clear and powerful how this could be utilized. So when the government made it a class one and, and shut down all the studies, you know, basically I blame the, you know, the, like, Tune in. What 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 was what what, what did Mr. Timothy Leary? Say? Yeah. What did you say? Tune in. Drop in. And tune drop in. Out. Tune out. Drop out. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the best. You know that that that's if you really want to destroy a movement, that's a really great way of doing it. So it's, yeah. it's it was very unfortunate. So I started discovering through TED talks, etc., and just starting to focus on people who really had either been at like McKenna who had been at the beginning and um, saying, you know, I need to do ayahuasca, but how am I going to do this? <laughs> so right. when I, so when I had the opportunity, I jumped on it and uh, Preston, it truly was the most amazing experience I've ever had in my life with any substance whatsoever. Um, it's, it is not, it is people who do not go with the correct intent are going to be um, disappointed to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, but with, it was only a two, it was a weekend ceremony. So it was only two evenings. It wasn't like an eight day retreat, eight week, eight day right, retreat. Right. So the first evening just to, just to give people out there an idea of how, what this medicine, you know, it, it really does teach you. First of all, I also did it in a teepee. It was wonderful. Like mm-hmm. it was a shaman. It was beautiful. But right. um, the energy 
right next to me happened to be somebody who brought in a cell phone and was a Trumpster. And he starts talking politics. And I'm like, uh, what, uh, what is going on here? So the point is I had a very difficult first evening. And mm-hmm. I think it was because I did not stand up for myself and take control because I have like physical and neck issues. I wasn't there were I just wasn't comfortable. Literally, it was a lot of yeah. a lot of people. And yeah. I didn't take control. I should have I should have brought the attention to the people who really already knew something was wrong, but they it just wasn't being taken care of. So the next night I made sure that I took control and I got my position right by the fire. I was comfortable. I was not near any body talking politics. I made sure I was in my own space. And immediately when I took the medicine, what I asked for, the only thing I asked for was, I just want to know that beauty still exists in the world. That's like, that was mm. my intent. That was it. It yeah. was that, that was it. I just need to know. And Preston within, I, I, I get emotional because it was so, within four minutes of me taking the next night's dose, I saw the flames began to dance in colors and mm. it was magical because it was, and the, I, I call her the goddess. Uh, she's, she, I call her the goddess. Um, yeah. She, the mother, mother ayahuasca and the visions that, yes, exactly. And the visions that I saw, it was like she was peeking in and out with me. It was almost like I was giggling. I was literally giggling, you know, having this little conversation with her. <laughs> and the shaman apparently saw that I was in a wonderful place and nobody yeah. needed to worry about me. So he actually came over to me and he started speaking to me in Spanish. And somehow I understood him. <laughs> and I... Wow. He, and he, yeah, it was amazing. And I knew what he was saying is, do you want, because they say, you know, there's an altar if you want anything to be, you know, if they, a prayer. So I gave him a picture of my cat. <laughs> that is like my one love for real. And he, right. I just knew that's what he was saying. I gave him a picture and yeah, right to the altar. So, it, so I went outside right. and I saw shooting stars you know, I had, you know, the howl, not the coyotes howling. I was one with nature. I was one with God. I was just, and when I say God, I don't mean in the Judeo-Christian sense. Right, right. I mean right. the higher power. So the spiritual feeling that I needed to be reminded is there. She, she, she let me know it was still there. And the beauty that... I, as I said, feeling that you're one with nature, one with God, one, it, it, it was magical. It was perfection. I could not get that smile off my face for about two weeks. And wow. um, yeah, and it was very transformative for me in the sense that it took me from a, a very negative place where I wasn't sure that this existed anymore. I really didn't know. And, and for me, the type of human being that I am, 
it's very important <laughs> that there is balance, that there's peace, that there is beauty. And we're living in such difficult times. I, I maybe it's, it, there wasn't, but I, 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 she showed me that no, there, keep going down this path. You're, this is the right. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't even throw up. I mean, it was, you know, that was most people's biggest fear with ayahuasca is they're going to be so nauseous, so sick. And the yeah. first thing, it's not even a fear. It's just purging. Exactly. It's purging. And it was like a symphony. I'm not going to lie all around me. It was a bit, you know, yep. but the medicine somehow enables you to endure it, you know, even if you're hearing mm -hmm. it. And for me, I didn't, I didn't purge once. Um, wow. But somebody, I, because the first night had been so difficult, excuse me, I was, I was like a little thrown off. I was confused. I was like, okay. And almost as if the universe put this young man there just to speak to me and say, no, stay, stay, stay. Just, and then he said, you're, I don't know if this is true, Preston, but he said, if you didn't right. purge, your chakras are in alignment. Now, if that's true, then, hey, it even, I was like, more power to me, right on. Like, yeah. maybe I'm doing the right thing, you know? So, uh, yeah. yeah. So I just uh, felt like as I'm going further down this rabbit hole, it's only showing me exactly what I was hoping to see. And right. And as far as, in fact, as far as the ayahuasca goes, it's, it's, a, it's such a, when people think it's not a medic, it's, I don't even know if I really need to do ayahuasca again, because you get, you know, it's something, it is a medicine. So when you yeah. don't need, which is why it's such a much better answer than the big pharma, because you're addicted, you're dependent, you know, and they keep you there where these medicines which can give you clarity and can and can produce endorphins that will take that pain, like physical pain away. Um, yeah. You're not addicted to, and yet we, we, we excrete it in our brains. We all have it in our bodies, but they have it as a class one, like it's a hair, in hair except in a few, Colorado, I believe. Uh, Colorado, um, there's just a couple states that I think have decriminalized it for us uh, when they say they can use it for religious reasons, you know, per se. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But uh, in fact, if I had the resources, I would live in, I would be in Colorado. I like right now I'm, I, you know, it's, it's tough uh, because I feel the answers for my issues my mental health, my, my physical being, my physical pain. It's all so close, but yet so far due to, I blame the powers that be, you know, it's just as simple. Yeah. As it's just hard. The access is hard. So, you know, what the answer with the, with the medicines are, it's just access to them is, is uh, mm -hmm. difficult. Exactly. Yeah. And what, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes. What the, uh, um, I want to know kind of, you know, you talked about the things you struggled with and, and your, a couple of your experiences. Were there any other experiences you wanted to share before we start talking about kind of what the transformations are like and, and how things are today? Um, I'm sorry, the question being to as far as 
what any other any other medicines that, oh sure uh, yeah with they had a big impact oh yeah in fact i actually wrote last night i actually wrote a list and i was put them in different i was put them in different um in uh all in different groups as to how i would equate them with the quote western world of medicine lsd equates laughter color mescaline laughter ketamine ptsd therapy ayahuasca mm. medicine salvia nothing <laughs> pot medicine oh. shrooms psilocybin most transformative for inner awareness a type of therapy medicine everything combined so yeah. uh, for me the as i said the cannabis i must i must give a lot of you know cannabis is as far as a pain management it should be available to everyone not i mean even i have a marijuana card for my issues but the dispensaries right. are ridiculous where i am because they only have oils and not not flat so you know it, it's this constant feeling like i have to and it's, i'm sure not just me you know many 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 people you know ducking and dodging trying to find a source that you can trust and da 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 blah 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 but i'm so what my my why i'm doing this is because as i and we are all watching um the we are watching what I would call, and I this once again not not in the literal term, but like the demons are running amok. You know, like something if something doesn't give, if if the powers that be don't fix whatever needs to be fixed, then it's up to each of us to really take a stand and say no. If we're not going, you can't. You cannot make us addicts and then handcuff us into either your methadone and method to your methadone clinics or your subutex, where then if you're on an opioid for pain, you can't take it anyway. There are right. so there is it is it's greed, it's capitalism. It we are all human beings that are worthy and deserving of love. And if you are not able to, to get love from say your fan, from the, from the, you know, we are the Maslow's hierarchy of needs at the very right. bottom for you, right? Love, 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 love. Well, at least this will open your heart and allow you for me, at least, I, I should say, for me, it allowed me to trust people where I for for 20 for 20 years, I I, yeah. I, I was not able to. So, you know, it it, it um, I, I, I really uh, give credit to these substances for getting me through. I would say the most difficult and I've, I have lived a very. Uh, I've lived quite a life so far. Yeah. And um, I've managed to, as I said, you usually work it out, figure it out. But the last 10 years, 
between the pain, uh, between being diagnosed with this disease, pain, which is pain, which is like a, a universal joke on me, I believe, because to go through being a drug addict, kicking it, a drug counselor, now being stuck in this mishmash of medical nightmare, you know, with the uh, opioids, and you just don't want to even be on them, but you can't, it's, instead of going round and round and round, like I'm doing right now, as I'm going round and round yeah. with these words, enough, like, uh, not to bring Trump into it, but like how it's enough is enough. Well, that's how I feel with this. Enough is enough, you know? And this is yeah. the third wave. This really is the third wave that we have as far as psychedelics coming into our universe, at least in this country. The second wave, as I said, in the 60s, they blew it. You know, the first wave indigenous, the second wave, the 60s, this is the third wave. And and I... I, you know, I am just screaming, screaming, please open your eyes, please, you know, like try, try to open your mind. You know, the, life is about evolving. It's about moving forward. It's about like, I had not spoken to my mother in 20 years under ketamine, which isn't which is a dissociative, but under ketamine, I called her and just to say, I love you. And, mm. and, and it's, and literally saying, I love you. You don't even need to call me back. You know, I just want right. just because, and it started a dialogue with us. Yeah. After. So, you know, 20 years of freaking therapy couldn't make me, <laughs> but you know, a few you know, ketamine, you yeah. know, boom. And I, so when you see two and two is four, you have to say two and two is four. And unfortunately, and so are you out there talking about this? I mean, I know there's a, there can often be a stigma attached and that's really kind of the point of this, this podcast, but are yes. you, are you able to talk to your, your mom? You called her to tell her you love her. You know, are you able to talk to her about your medicines? Do you talk uh, yeah. to your friends and family yes. and all that yes. stuff? I actually made it very clear that it was because I was on ketamine that I called her and, you know, she, uh, because I had, you know, had a past as a teen, you know, when I was younger with, um, with, as an addict, she, you know, she really, and I can understand, could not really uh, equate any quote drug, you know, being, yeah. excuse me, a positive, but she could not deny that her daughter just said, I love you after 20 years right. of us not talking. So she, um, yeah. So I have no problem because if I have knowledge and in this day and age with so much false narratives out there, so much misinformation, it's almost like 1984, the book 1984 or animal yeah. farm. Like we, I, if I'm not, going to be willing to tell those who are closest to me what is working, then I'm not really doing what I feel I should be. You know, yeah. I'm not, Yeah. you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. I so, mean, yeah. Um, we got to, I'm going to wrap this up. I want to know 
what you think is a key to a good experience. It sounds like you've had a lot of amazing experiences with uh, different medicines, mm-hmm. different entheogens. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting, even in your weekend ayahuasca experience, you mentioned how your setting was different in both nights, one one with the loud, obnoxious person yes. next to you and the next one. Over. So overall, you know, what what advice do you give or in general when it comes to having a, a good transformational experience? What do you think is important to, to having that? Well, the fir- if you're going to do it with, um, like, if you're going to not go to a, quote, ceremony where, you know, the, where you have a shaman and somebody taking you through it, I would suggest simply being with somebody you love or trust or mm-hmm. feel that no matter what happens, it's going to be okay. They have you, yeah. they got you. And there, I think that's really all it, I mean, just, just, you know, open your, open your mind, open your heart. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Ego. I actually had an ego death on ketamine, mm. even an out of body experience where I did think I was dead. And it took the fear of death away from me because of it. Like not, now I'm not afraid to die. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I want, I'm saying like death, right. suddenly, you know, an ego death, to be honest, I am thinking of writing a book called Ego Death for Everyone because nice. we could all just experience that. I think it would change people's perspectives immensely once they can yeah. lose that damn ego, the hubris, the whatever, whatever we need to do to right. keep ourselves safe. But it's really, yeah. you know, yes. So, so I'm sorry. So I don't know if I answered your question. So yeah, I you, just, did. you did. Okay. Yeah. Basically just be with somebody that uh, you love or, 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 or not, not, I shouldn't say that you love that there is just such a sense of trust and, and just go for it. And just go right. for it, you know. But have yeah. an but have an intent. Always, yeah. You know, don't just take something, just to you know get as high as you can and hope to see blah blah blah. So I mean, especially with the medicines like ayahuasca, etc. You may not even have visuals, you know. So right, you need if you really want to try to step back and look in the mirror and really try to. With me, with the PTSD, the ketamine got me through so much of the PTSD traumas because I was able to go back and remember everything. I could smell things. I could, you know, I could, I, I was there, but I was able to safely come back from the trauma when I, you know, and yeah, not be a mess. So it, it all depends, I, I would think, on why people are, are feeling the need for a transfer transformative trans help me out for a transformative uh, experience right, right. um but for me uh i just think it's about being with somebody you trust or you know has your back and um and open just open your heart open your heart and and let it let it flow just let it flow and that is also i think one of the most important things that it's it, for me, forgiveness, I learned, I, I just letting it go. Everybody, you know, it's very easy to say, just let it, let it go, let it go. 
But in reality, most people, it's very, you know, human nature. So this. Yeah, is it's so, hard to let it go. Yes. And, and, but yeah, so we're, so I'm looking at a list of medicines as I'm speaking to you and every single one of them literally will teach you how to let it go. It will just show you, it will, it will say, look, why you're, you know, it, it's, it's so obvious to feel, why would you not want to feel connected and loved? Right. You know, why right. yeah. would you want to hold on to this anger and this hate? Life is so short. It's so fleeting. And in, the, in this day and age, particularly with the fentanyl epidemic, you know, I believe that they should be, you know, it, it has been proven that, I, and I know for a fact that it helps with, you know, addiction. And uh, man, if they would just, you know, allow us to, to have shrooms or whatever, I guarantee, I can't say I guarantee you, but since over 70% of people, it, there are so many stats that prove that yeah. these, you know, so I find it once again, a little bit, this is why I'm doing this, because even though we're, we're seeing the stats, they're not moving fast enough. You know, it's like, yeah. This state, oh, yes, we're going to pass laws for marijuana being legal. No, well, that was four years ago. Nothing's happened yet. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, yep. so I feel it's on us, really. It, we cannot wait for them. We need to push them. We need to say, no, enough is enough. Like, make these things legal. If I can go to war and be killed, then I think I should be allowed to ingest a natural substance for myself you know i and, agree i agree yeah. yeah bill hicks used to say something that i this may sound a little cold but i i, I agree in fact i had written it down when i was uh, on ketamine when i was journaling yeah saying that i truly believe that uh and it's all scribbled you have to navigate through I said, I think I figured out why society is so fucking ignorant about the use and implementation of, quote, drugs as a tool. Don't forget, I was on ketamine as a tool for connecting with each other as human beings. It's because most people are just too stupid to handle the real truth that you must navigate through while going through a, quote, trip or under the influence or on another realm. If people were educated, we could have a utopian society like the Mayans, but it's all, but it all goes back to capitalism, money, greed, instead, love in the moment, people, idiocracy, nothing wrong with feeling like you're in a Disney movie, LOL. But and it goes on and on. It's just like a rambling yeah, well, you know, thing, you know. Leave, leave it to Bill Hicks to put it to put it so bluntly. So bluntly. His his yeah. when he you know, he I I I have my um little conspiracy theories about why he was suddenly had pancreatic cancer yeah. so quickly. But um can I just finish with reading a little quote from him just to remind you? Oh everybody? sure, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's okay. Um this is you know, this, this man said, was saying this during when I was growing up, during the tough love, uh, the tough love, just say no days. And yeah. he was brave enough to say, talk about how the disinformation and, and shrooms was his, was his drug of choice as far as when he would, that, that was the only thing he was really interested in. 
And he said, so, and I'm quoting, so what about the good news stories? Why can't we ever hear on the news that, quote, today a man, a young man, on acid realized all matter is energy condensed to a slow vibration, that we are all one consciousness experiencing itself subjectively. There is no such thing as death. Life is only a dream, and we are the imagination of ourselves. This is just a ride. We can change it. We can change it at any time we want. It's only a choice between love and fear. And I believe that's where we are at right now. There is yeah. so much fear. So why, Preston, why are people choosing fear? That is that is like what needs to be addressed. Because I, yeah. I just I just think it's the they're 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 still believing the hype. They just believe the hype, the misinformation. And I think it's up to I, I know I'm sorry to be redundant. But uh, I, I just don't see the, quote, government uh, exactly getting behind this movement. I don't see yeah. the you know, NIH getting behind this movement. Um, it's, yep. uh, yeah. So here we are. Oh, and, wonderful. Yes. Yeah, that, that, is a, that is a great quote. So thank you so much for sharing that and for sharing everything about your journey with uh, everything you've been through and your amazing entheogenic experiences and the awesome outcomes you've achieved. No, it's wonderful. I I, I truly hope that, that this, you know, just continues to move on, you know, that, that this quote movement grows and more and more people will start to tout like, yes, I went through it. And yes, it does do blah, blah, blah. And and so, instead of being afraid of the stigma that they make, you know, their job will find out they did ayahuasca. You know, I mean, it's so silly. <laughs> it's just so silly to me. It's, but it's, it's reality and it's unfortunate. So one must take a stand. It's, it's all there is yep. to it, you know? Yep. So, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for coming here and sharing all this. This was a, a great amount of information from you. I'm very grateful for your time. Well, thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure. That concludes this edition of the Stoned Ape Reports. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on Instagram at Stoned Ape Comedy and subscribe to our newsletter at www.stonedapecomedy.com. Again, thanks for listening and catch you next time, Stoned Apes.